You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Stardom Road Podcast here on the Count Out Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Scott Edwards, and with me, as always, is Trent Brewer. Trent, how are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Like it's it's one of these situations where we're just trying to get everything, all our ducks in a row. This is one of those episodes we've had to record a little earlier than maybe we normally would. Like we like to be ready with these things, mm. uh, but yeah, I have forced our hand. We have to be even readier than normal. Uh, but we're all on top of things for once, which is a nice change of pace. Maybe we're getting into the zone for 2024, and this is going to be the norm for us. That'd be nice to think, right? Um, so stardom obviously in real life has been pretty busy. Uh, so we're, we're, we're happy to take a step back still and, and go back into the history. Cause we are still doing our DDM series, mm. obviously with the idea of Julia leaving stardom as well. Uh, which has remember Donna Del Mondo. Remember Julia has added remember a Rossi. Curveball to all this. Uh, people are going to watch the second one and be like, wow, they didn't talk about that at all. Well, that's how ahead we are. Uh, Trent's, going on, Trent's going on a trip. So, you know, we mm. made sure to be prepared. Um, but this is this, this is a show episode. where we have to be current, thankfully. This, this was a fun episode. If you saw the thumbnail, of course, it's Shuri and Julia uh, having their moment at the end of their matches because it's the matches episode of the series. We were kind of talk four matches. That were very important in the history of DDM. Not all, uh, not all like faction matches. Obviously, it's just matches that are important in the faction's history, mm. and it will be a lot of fun to go through. I know it was to watch them. That's why we gave you the homework last time. So hopefully, you're coming into this episode as well, having that great time. Yeah, we are going to check your workings, make sure you actually watch it and then just go on to Cage Match, you know, Ryan uh, Dilbert's favorite website and check the ratings. Go, oh, that was a good match. And there was a really good spot, according to you know, Fan 43 Yeah, it's a great show. No, we're actually going to ask you to show your workings and make sure that you actually paid attention. We're, we're, we're hard taskmasters here at the Stardom Road podcast. Yeah, that's what that's what I think of when I think of our podcast. Just, you know, hard asses. Yeah, this is like this is like the most laid back podcast I do. <laughs> but change like that for you if you'd like. No, 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 it's okay. But a lot of people have uh, been watching, listening. So thank you. If you're on YouTube, hello. If you're not on YouTube, still hello. Still hello. I'm not going to wave. Audibly. Yeah, I'm not going to wave because you can't see it. You know, it's mm-hmm. different. Uh, but let's let's just get to it, right? Mm-hmm. Why, mm-hmm. why wait around? Pretty pretty easy episode here today. So we're gonna switch our lovely graphics here, and if you're watching over on YouTube, you get to see the match cards because boy oh boy, you're gonna watch Julia change seventy five times. I think that's the fun <laughs> of the cards themselves. 
Uh, but the first match is all the way back at Yokohama Dream Cinderella in spring in 2021. I believe it was April 4th, 2021. And this was a big time match. Uh, this, you know, before we get to the match itself, we kind of talked about this a little bit in the first episode of the series of how this match kind of had a lot of drama around it for one reason or mm. another. Not only was it the same day that Will Ospreay won the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, I vividly remember that for some reason, uh, because Bea Priestley had just said she was leaving right before this match, so it was just yeah. all the connections at once. Yeah. Uh, but of course, Julia, right after getting her head shaved in that fantastic match with Tam Nakano, uh, she had... We were all talking about how she's going to build herself back up, right? She's going to build herself back up. And she was. She was, right? She started with Fuki Gendeth or whatever yeah. she was at the time. Nothing uh, says building yourself back up than a main event match for a championship. Yeah, yeah. It, didn't, it did not take long for them to get right back to it. And not only that, but they put them in the main event, uh, which was also a big deal because Tommy Hayashishta for the second straight pay-per-view was not in the main event as world of stardom champion she'd instead face Bea Priestley, as i noted and probably from what i've seen b's best match but that's neither here nor there uh so like this match way davenport retrospective yeah 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 uh-huh um i'll make sure this show's canceled before that <laughs> but this was a big time match it, it's tag team versus tag team uh shuri and kind of the story we had been talking about shuri kind of de facto leader at this point in many ways mm. julia just kind of down on her luck but this is when we got gi julia if you're looking at the graphics she had already grown some of her hair back by the time this match happened it was like her my favorite look of hers in the gi julia phase i should say which really was... you, you like the slightly spiked uh hair follicles yeah yeah i love that i thought she i thought she like it was just like perfect she just looked mm. so badass and then this match was great so that helped too um, and then, you know, Shuri had the gear that kind of rep that, which was kind of the military S, but in her colors. Trucka Shuri. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, going against Mahime, who had just become champions not too far before this, ultimately their only reigns with the goddesses of stardom championships. Let's get to the match itself, though. Big main event, obviously a big spot for, uh, Micah and Hameka. This is, mm. this is, this is as big as it gets, right? And this match was go, 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 go from start to finish. That's like the way I remember this match more than anything else, because it never slowed down. It was all action all the time. Micah took a beating in this match. Like she took so many bumps. It was nasty. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like this match, I, I think they definitely went out with an idea in mind, and I think maybe to justify their main event position was to say, "Well, we're not going to start in first gear and work our way up." It's like, "Well, we're going to start in third gear and only have to shift up a couple of times before we hit the top mark." It's an interesting match in that respect, and I do think, like, when you watch these matches chronologically that we're sort of going through today, you will notice like everyone kind of steadily improving. And so it's kind of fun to go back and see, honestly, Julia, Micah, Hameka all looking a little bit rawer in their styles than Shuri, I think was pretty much already there. Um, she just needed the opportunities to sort of prove herself in stardom. But the other three in particular, you can sort of see they're sort of still finding their way a little bit, 
But what makes this match really stand out and sort of worthy of watching as opposed to just stacking things when they're all in their sort of prime form is that you get to see that evolution not only through this, but through the course of the match. I thought the first sort of couple of minutes, like they were pushing hard, but they hadn't quite hit their rhythm yet. So they're a little bit, you know, a little bit of miscommunication here and they're not quite perfect. But as they get into the flow of things, as they find that rhythm, it really begins to pick up. So even though the pace stays the same, the execution of it makes it feel more frenetic, feels like it's hitting more. And in that respect, it's quite a fascinating match to see unfold. It is because you're watching Julian Shuri learn kind of how to team as a duo because it's mm. very different, obviously, than just doing faction matches. And Mike and Hameka at this point in time, they're in a very interesting spot because I'm not going to like say they're like raw at this point. They're getting better. Yeah. Uh, Hameka has a really good performance in this match, for example. Um, she hits a powerbomb on Julia that's one of the nastiest ones she's ever hit, by the way. Um, Which is impressive because her running ones are like nasty by default. But this is yes. just a standing one. She puts some extra oomph behind it. Yeah, it, it just felt like like they told each all like they sat and, and this is this is the history of stardom in many ways. When factions go ahead against each other, they hit harder. They're mm. meaner against one another. It's just nasty. Yeah. It's absolutely nasty, and that's what we saw here. Um, in the closing, probably say half. Truthfully, that's really where the like they clicked. Mm, I, mm. I, I'm definitely with you. Like. While the pace was going and going from the get go, they were all, they were just off here and there, and then they just found it, and that's where yeah. you know you get the power bomb, you get the suplexes, you get the lariats, and mind you, Micah and Hamaker were hitting plenty of those in this match. They were competing uh, with each another, each other to hit the best lariat today. That and, was, and any time they're in the same match, it feels like they do, but this one in particular. And the closing stretch was great because, you know, it looks like they're going to get Shuri down. They hit, they're starting to hit all their uh, tag team moves. And then ultimately, as we know, ALK did not go down here and they'd go on to win the championship belts. And what I thought ultimately was a fantastic match, even though at the time there was much debate of not only there was a lot of debate going into the match. There was a lot of debate. Once the match happened, and then, mm. of course, Mahime dropping the belts, and now looking back, knowing they never got them back. It is interesting seeing like people talk about this match at the time and also in hindsight. It's almost getting forgotten, I feel like, because obviously every member of DDM would go on to have better matches and stuff. But this is such an integral match to, I think, where DDM begins to find their full form together because they finally get to showcase the four top members just going hard at each other, doing what Donna Del Mondo does best. But there is definitely some mixed opinions, and it doesn't help that this is still in that period where anything Julia heavy is still kind of has a bit of a sour taste for some people, especially taking yeah. the main event for the second straight time. Definitely uh, yeah. changes the impression people had of this match. But going back and while at the time I remember being essentially converted mid-match. I was watching mm -hmm. it going, oh, I, I don't agree with these guys getting the main event, and I'm watching it going, but that's a really good match. Yeah. They're really doing some good stuff. And now coming back and watching it with the benefit of hindsight, removed from the, I guess, the drama Removed from stardom drama, if you can believe it or not, at this point in time. Uh, removed from it all and sort of seeing it just as it's a so match. easy. Ah, oh, I know, right? It's like, okay, yeah, no, this, I can appreciate this match just that little bit more. 
on top of how much I already did enjoy it. Yeah, it's not their best matches of all time, but it signifies Donna Del Mondo. And in the post match, you can kind of see them sort of coming together with that. You know, Julian mm-hmm. Shuri, they go on to form, yeah, they they want to form the best team in Joshi. And I mean, they do a pretty oh, good man. job of it, considering they didn't have that long together. They did a fantastic job of getting there. Micra and Hameka, it's a very big learning experience for them. You know, they had their dreams kind of pulled out from under the rug, but the idea as well, it's your teammates and you're meant to get stronger and get better and get back to this spot. Unfortunately, they didn't. Uh, and in retrospect, maybe that is particularly disappointing, but it is a moment that empowered both of them to get better moving forward. It really did feel like the moment of building up Hameka and Micah at the end. Like, yes, they were had already been champions, but there's something mm-hmm. about having that main event match against those that you have trust and you're comfortable with. And I, th- I think that's what we saw here. It's also the idea of, okay, you know, the two people ahead of us in our faction, they're coming for us. And can we stand up to them? Obviously, they lost, but it wasn't until the very end that they truly lost. They were in this match from the get-go, and many times they looked like they were going to win. And I think that's the beauty of this match in many ways. Uh, my favorite, Julia, you know, it's it's the 2021 and 2022 combination. From mm-hmm. when she from post the TAM match. So not not nothing before that, not the wonder stuff. It's post the tab match to when she wins the world title. That is the best Julia we've ever seen because she transforms after that tab match. You see it in this match. Her mm. style is very different. If you watch this back and you know Julia now, you're like, what? What do you mean different style? You go back and watch Julia prior to getting her head shaped. It was very different. She truly did transform. Even if she was already back in the main event and already back as holding a title, she was still changing a lot as time went on. And I think this match really proves it. And Shuri at this time, you know, she was just kind of like there to help Julia and keep her busy in mm. many ways. Little did we know, very soon after, Shuri would create her own destiny. But that's the well, literally on this. this night, you know, post match after they do the oh, you know, we're, we're going to work hard as a tag team and all that. Shuri calls out Utami, and that yep. sets up the 43 minute draw, which brings all the attention, yep. potentially changes the entire flow of what that year was going to be, and transforms Shuri into the megastar that she already showed she was capable of. Mm-hmm. She just needed the opportunity and attention. It's pretty crazy to look back at this match of what came from it for everyone, mm. right? I mean, we're looking at people that would all go on to become world champion for the most popular wrestlers in, the, like, when they were around. Hameko was one of the most popular mm. wrestlers in Japan, period. Uh, obviously, the other three are as well, but Hameko was always tops for the most part, if you ever saw, like, fan voting or anything. Um, it's just a, It's just a incredible feat that these four had and obviously Natsupoi was part of it as well and as we talked about in the first two episodes that was the true DDM anything else it was just added or not the same it was these five if we include Natsupoi of course but this match is fantastic if you didn't check it out go do your homework and check it out it's 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 always important when you're doing these kind of retrospectives is to take a look back a little bit earlier in their run yeah, it's mm-hmm. easy to remember the peak form, but you can appreciate that a lot more when you see the development. Uh, and all four of these people were fantastic at this point in time. 
and it only speaks to how good they become that this is kind of the quote-unquote raw versions of most of them. Seeing both Micah then and Hameka then, and then our last match is them facing each other, obviously. Mm. It's so crazy to see how much they changed, but also they didn't in many ways. Like, they didn't change their moves much. They didn't, like, they just got, they just fine-tuned their wrestling, and they hit a little harder, even though if you look at the power bomb that Julia took in this match, you disagree. Um, it, and it's just, it's really cool to see. And, and the same for Julia and Shuri. Obviously, we'll get to them too later, mm. uh, how much they change. Obviously, Shuri, Shuri was just phenomenal, so it's like, how much did she really change? Uh, but that is that is part of like how I really liked we how we picked these matches because you really do get to see all four of them hmm. develop a lot. We don't get to see tons of Poi, but Poi didn't have too many like inner DDM matches like this. It was more the turn which we're about to get to. Yeah, she she had during this time like she was doing the high speed stuff, and then she moved into the trio stuff with my Himapoi, which was really good, but it is very separate from a lot of this other yeah. stuff. And while you can appreciate their work as a tag team, you don't get the intra DDM stuff, which is so integral to the faction. Mm -hmm. uh, plus, you know, Poi doesn't deserve a highlight spot after what she does. Excuse me? <laughs> no, that's, that's fair. In the terms of conversation in DDM, no, I think that's fair. Uh, a lot of, all, not all of her best work, because that match was Kantani. She was still in DDM, I believe. Yes. But outside of that, all of her best work has mostly come outside of DDM, funny enough. And, the yeah, and that's match. when she got, match she, like, yeah, she got, she exploded in popularity once she joined Cosmic Angels. Yeah, well, that's just kind of what happens <laughs> with that group. Uh, anyways, let's go. We've been talking about it enough. Now, you look at this card. If you're watching the YouTube channel, you're like, why did you make us watch this? It's not about the match. We're going to, I'm going to preface, I think I preface that anyways, but I'm going to preface yeah. it again. It's not about the match. It was nice to see Unagi, though. Um, <laughs> it, it really was because, like, my brain has already, like, completely changed Unagi to someone who isn't part of the stardom world, but just this uberly popular freelancer now. So, like, anytime I see her in Star, I was like, oh, right. She was awesome here. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's a shame that she left because she was so good in Cosmic Angels, but I digress. Um, she, I, I think she needed to leave in a lot of ways to unlock her full potential as an overall performer, which incorporates the, like, behind-the-scenes yeah. stuff. So it was Cosmic Angels and Colors, which... Yes. I also forgot. Uh, <laughs> I clicked on this. I was like, oh, there's Saki. <sighs> oh, also, I note this image is slightly outdated. They had to change it up a little bit due to injury. Um, yep. It turned into a five on five, not a six on six. Yeah. Sorry, I couldn't find the correct graphic. No, I'm no, no, I'm just explaining because if people see yeah. this and then they watch the match, it's like, hang on, wait, what? Yeah. Or if we're talking uh, about, like, oh, you're not talking about how good Tekla was in the match. That's because she wasn't in the match. She was just there. Boom, roasted. Uh, so it was Mina Shirakawa, Tam Nakano, Unagi Sayaka, Hikaru Shimizu, and Saki on the Cosmic Angel side against Julia, Hameka, Micah, Natsupoi, and Mai Sakurai. Uh, this match went 16 minutes and two seconds. The eliminations went as followed. Hameka and Mina Sherikawa were eliminated at the same time. Trent, how was Hameka eliminated? <sighs> she was betrayed 
by her fellow <laughs> team member, my Sakurai, who thought that a, a one-to-one trade was worth it, uh, only to realise that no, a one-to-one trade is not worth it, especially when you go and get eliminated three minutes later. Hikaru Shimizu eliminated my Sakurai. Micah! Oh, and by the way, I just want to like, this is like a fun little non uh non-important but fun nugget nonetheless mm. micah against those cosmic angels was <laughs> just an all-time scenario uh i don't i can't remember the match where she planted all three of them with michinoku drivers and then just was like yeah i win uh but that was, that was this was year. that for the trios title or yeah i think it was i think it was the last time they ever wrestled each other mm. and for like for the trios belts because they wrestled each other a lot. Um, and she just hit them all three. And I just remember like everyone on Twitter be like, oh my God. Uh, but she eliminated Nagi. And then she eliminated Hikaru Shimizu. Saki eliminated Micah. And that left it down to two on two. It was Tam and Saki versus Julia and Natsupoi. They get rid of Saki. And that's really where we get to our story now. Mm. Pretty much the entire story that you need to know. We're going to do, we're going to probably talk more post match than we are match here. Uh, but it's down to Julia and Natsupoi against Tam. They're all on the apron. They're trying to pull Tam off. And this is when I remember why I couldn't stand this because, like, in kayfabe, in my head, <laughs> I'm like, what would have happened if Tam fell? <laughs> right like oh not this boy you can't make that decision anymore because you got rid of her you know and and mind you the lead up to this match was the nazi boy matches with tam which mm. was the steel cage and the random cork and everyone was saying to themselves why are these matches happening this, this is, is why the reason. uh so tam is getting held by julia for a, presumably a suplex yeah, German suplex. But Natsupoi's going to super kick her first. Tam drops down. Natsupoi f- stops. She's like, oh, I'm not going to kick Julia. And then she just kicks Julia. <laughs> and that's what I was like. I, I, I watched this again. I was just like, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, Tam stares at Natsupoi. Natsupoi stares at Tam. Then she goes to hit her with the... German suplex and Tam helps out and then she hits the suplex and Julia's eliminated and then Natsupoi eliminates herself and just like that Natsupoi leaves Donna Del Mondo in a very emotional moment she gets in the ring she talks to Tam and that's when Julia gets on the mic and says eh, you were just making fun of Tam like two seconds ago which got the crowd to laugh and by the way this is of course during clap crowd still so yes. any any reaction like that was always very noticeable. <laughs> um, and then you pretty much went through the line of emotions of this group with Hameka being one of the more emotional ones because Natsupoi's whole thing was, I'm not your mascot, I'm not your pet. Mm. I'm not DDM's mascot and pet, which was kind of slowly being told throughout the months of this story. But personally never thought about it. Well, yeah, I was like, whatever. We've moved. We, we had long moved on from the Hameka and Natsupoi problem. So in my brain, it's like, who cares? Um, Hameka get Hameka was very upset. Yes. She was like, "You were my friend, and this is why Trent 
obviously hates Natsupoi. She made Hameka sad, so that mm. makes Trent sad, you know. She answered. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, then Micah gets on the mic, and Mike was very angry. Micah was angry. Like, the, we had the three different reactions. Like, Julia yeah. was like, you're an idiot, but okay. Like, she was just kind of, like, processing it. Hameka was devastated. Tecla was devastated. She didn't talk, but she was devastated. She had tears going down her eyes. She also wasn't in the match. Um, my Sakurai was there. My Sakurai was there. Can I thought everyone said something. Like in my memory, like too. they went through the the trial, and we, we yeah, did Julie. We did uh, Hamaka. We did Maika. Tecla stepped up. I'm like, oh, I thought she was the last one to say anything. Yeah. And yeah, she doesn't say anything. I'm like, oh, okay, I remember that differently. And yeah. then everyone leaves. I'm like. Oh, okay. Well, I guess like my Sakura, you know, she only recently joined. Yeah. She didn't have the time to build the connection, but yeah. it was just kind and of funny. Yeah. Obviously, Michael was very angry, and then Natsupoi would join Cosmic Angels. And as we know, the Cosmic Angels would never be the same again for for the good. I would say Natsupoi, like, I remember when the turn happened, and I was kind of upset that she, I was like, ah, I don't, I don't really like. I don't really like this. Like the post match is great, perfectly mm. done, phenomenally done. Everyone did their part perfectly, but like the overall feeling, I was like, really? Like she's leaving DDM, and because then you started to feel the original DDM obviously break. Sure, sure, he was yeah. already gone. Um, and then as as we said last episode, was it last episode? Yeah, it was. Once yes. once Natsupoi left, DDM no longer felt like DDM. It's just yeah, this was where it really sort of underwent that change because it, she was so important. Like it's it seems cruel to name her as a pet and a mascot, but she inhibited that kind of role and kind of inspired everyone, got everyone to be a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more fun. And so it was interesting seeing her react to that. Because like it is funny, like, yeah, she felt like a mas mascot, she felt like a pet, and like it felt like no, she's overreacting a little bit. She was treated well in DDM, sure, but once she left and joined Cosmic Angels, it really did feel like she had a chance to truly reach her potential. You know, she'd go on to become one of the most popular wrestlers in stardom. It felt like her general value just shot up. She's you know, second in command for the biggest faction in terms of popularity she's releasing cds like her star really did rise from this moment as great as she was in donna del mondo mm -hmm. it it ultimately was the right move mm. and so we sit here recording now she still isn't wonder stardom champion i don't know if she will be hopefully you know maybe she confirmed by now that she will be uh well not that she'll be champion but hopefully she's back um, that would be great. Mm. Uh, but ultimately, it ended up being the right move. Yeah. Um, but at the time, I just remember being like, ah. And I, I, I still feel right in that feeling because, like we said, DDM wasn't DDM anymore. Yeah. But Cosmic Angels began to finally find themselves. Yes. There's a couple of interesting little tidbits that I felt like weren't fully recognized. Like in the aftermath, like we kind of wanted there to be more DDM Natsupoi stuff. And it was mostly relegated to when they found themselves in the same matches. Mina Shirakawa was an interesting person to watch in this post-match stuff because she's not as happy to see Natsupoi as everyone else. She's kind of almost a bit reserved, a bit like, hang on, you know, what's she been doing to us? Now we're just accepting her with open arms. I feel like that wasn't followed through fully unless yeah. you're looking at kind of her splitting into Club Venus later on mm. as kind of being the aftermath of that because it's not the first time they've used uh, 
faction introductions to lead to someone wanting to escape. Dan Nakano, for example, is maybe the best example of that in Stars. Yeah. Um, but the other thing, I guess I, I'm curious to ask you, because like you brought it, you did bring it up, like in the course of the match, like Natsupoi is going hard at all the members of Cosmic Angels. Because <laughs> I, I did rewatch it specifically thinking, does she kind of back off a bit? Like, is there hints of it? And there, there isn't any hints in the match. No. But the way it all goes down, and also in the post-match stuff and how Natsupoi is reacting, do you feel like... Obviously, it's not actual, but like in kayfabe, do you feel like it was a split-second decision for her? Because that's the impression I get. Like, she yeah. maybe was thinking about it. She was torn about, oh, yeah. should I stay? Should I go? And when she pulls the kick initially, it's almost like in that moment, she's like, I need to make this decision now. Am I yeah. going to Tam or am I remaining loyal? You know, do I do I stay a pet or do I try and evolve? Um, yeah. Whereas like other turns, like the Momo Watanabe turn and stuff like that, feels more rehearsed i guess in a yeah. lot of ways. I, this this turn if if this makes sense is a lot different from like a lot of stardom turns mm. in that idea that it was like a decision made at that moment um yeah. it's one that while like initially i was like ah, i i do like it better that way because if you think about it, like what she had been doing leading up to that was proving herself against Tam Nakano, mm. and now she wants to prove herself alongside Tam yeah. Nakano. I think that's a nice addition to it in the long term. Maybe not in the initial moment, because no human is thinking that when this originally happened. Uh, but now, like now that we're here, now we know what happens. It worked, right? Mm. Like it ultimately worked. Um, I just wanted to add in the post match, you know, she's got she's naming everyone. She's like Micah, Hameka, Julia, Mai, Tekla, and then she hits them with the bipoy. And I just lost my mind. <laughs> yeah, because like we'd had a couple of like really serious promos, and it felt yeah. like Natsupoi was gonna pour her heart out here, and she's like yeah. addressing them all for the, the final time, and she hits the bipoy, and it's like <sighs> obviously, like we all know it's a joke, like we see it as a joke type yeah. thing now because like she'll do it any any time but that mm. was like the most serious bi boy we'll ever get it get it was like very much like bi boy she's lucky micah or her make it in soccer after that bi boy micah got mad at sue suzuki after the tag league this year but when natsu boy broke her heart in the middle of the ring she was like all right <laughs> <laughs> after that bi boy we'll be like oh you mm. Mm, yeah, right. that, that changed things forever for her. Yeah, especially with Micah's anger. Maybe that's why Micah's world champion because she got bipoid. That would have that would have been. If that was the cause, we'd have a lot more world champions than we do. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, but obviously, this in many ways was like the the unofficial end of true DDM. You know, yeah, this takes, for... the, the core five is gone now, even though there's technically six at this point in time. But and by the way, this was back on June 9th, 2022. So DDM ended a few months ago. <laughs> but but my point remains. Uh let's get let's get to the big one now, shall we? Of course, Stardom Dream Queendom 2022. Shuri versus Julia. I don't think I need to tell you how this, like how we got here, but I'll give you a quick, I'll give you a quick, uh, 
uh, summary. So obviously they face off at Stardom World Climax. That leads to Shuri leaving DDM and creating God's Eye. Um, and they have an incredible match. Fantastic match against one another. Uh, but it was very clear that Shuri was the high, more capable wrestler than Julia at that time. And, and remember that as we get into this match. Um, she just outworked her in the end. Like this, and, the, and you have to remember when Shuri was world champion, she was unstoppable in every way, shape, and form. This woman was unstoppable. And she'd you, been unstoppable for a year prior to winning the championship, too, which is very important in all of this. You pretty much needed to have, you had to hit her with every thing you had. And when I say that, I don't mean like, oh, a suplex. No, you had to hit her with every big, nasty move you had to beat her, right? Because this is a Shuri who beat Julia and Mayu Iwatani on back-to-back nights in pretty convincing fashion, mind you. Mm. She made, she didn't, Mayu didn't tap out, the ref called the match. But still, a submission one night after. An early call, by the way. Yeah, I Maya still, was still I, crawling towards the ropes. I'm still angry about it, but it's fine. It's fine. Uh, she got a payback for the IWGP title. Yeah. Um, four and three quarters. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, uh, obviously, Julia steps into the five star Grand Prix and has one of the best stories told from start to finish throughout that Grand Prix. She loses her first two matches, and then she rolls through. She has one slip up along the way, and then on that final night, she beats Suzu Suzuki and Tam Nakano. Drew with Suzu, sorry. Sorry. She drew with Suzu Suzuki, and then beat Tam Nakano in the finals, getting that win back that she never got, by the way, from when she lost the wonder and lost her hair. It was a perfect full circle moment. Mm. But she needed to win the World of Stardom Championship, and that's what brings us to this match. Shuri, at this very show, would accomplish a year-long reign as World of Stardom Champion. And this card was all about this match. Yes. Like, I I went, when I clicked on it to, like, look at the rest of the show, I was like, oh, Right. What a weird card. Um, and ultimately, I think that made the match that much better, right? Because there's always, there, there were some good, like really good matches on the show. Like there was Kyrie and Utami, I thought, which I thought was really good. Um, I remember the artist match being really good with prominence in Oedo Tai. And then you had a seven up versus Cosmic Eight, uh, versus Meltier. That was good. Mm. We don't have to talk about the Wonder match. Um, but everything was building up to this is the match. Yeah. This is everything is on this match. Because if you remember the year prior, Shuri and Julia were obviously facing off, but they already faced off like so many times before that. So it's like this is just the ultimate card to complete our year. This was the ultimate match to complete the year. And by the end of this match, I remember you and me obviously share same show ocean cyclone uh show and we had to record like the same day as the show because we had to get it out for the weekend and we all just walked into there we were we we're giving our end of the year rewards and we're all like so we, we're picking the same match right <laughs> <laughs> and we were pretty fresh off of it so let's let's get to the match shall we um before we get into like the moves and stuff i've been talking for a little bit what was your memories of this match going into it and obviously leaving it. 
there was a lot of hype surrounding this match, both because, you know, the rest of the card had been fine, but, like, even at the even before the show had started, you are looking at the card going, it's a fine show, but, like, that mm-hmm. semi-main event with Haruka Umasaki in the wonder position did feel awkward. And, yeah, it's Rigoku uh, Hall, so people were expecting, like, top-to-bottom big stuff. And it didn't quite feel there. But this match was like, okay, if if any match is going to make this worth it, if you're going to fork out your money to buy this live on pay-per-view, it's going to be this match. And just as the match is going on, yeah, you get a feeling sometimes when you're watching a match for the first time where it's just kind of, as it's unfolding, you're like, yeah, this is this is a special match. This is a match that's going to stay with you. And it felt like not just me, but like Joshi Twitter was having a yeah. collective, ah, okay. Here's that match, you know, yeah, match of the year, all we of that jazz. Year. Yeah, it's like because coming into this, it felt like a lot of people had different ideas of what match of the year might have been. There's not one solitary, pure, undeniable standout match. And halfway through this match, people are going, "Hmm, okay, I'm glad I didn't write my end of year awards <laughs> or anything like that." And you just like, just stick the landing, just stick the landing, and they stuck the landing. Oh. Yeah, sure. I, I, I remember. The match finished, I'm like, okay, yeah, look, that's a five-star match for me. That is going down as one of the best stardom matches I have ever seen. It's up in the Pantheon with Utami versus Shuri, Mayu Watani versus Io Shirai, Io Shirai versus Miko Satomura. It's it's on that kind of Pantheon, and it just felt so far above anything else uh, that had come through that year, which is saying a lot because there was a lot of good stuff that year, but this just felt like on a whole nother level. Yeah, I mean, 2022 was a great year for Star. Mm. Don't get us wrong, um, but it was just the end all, be all. It, I think, the best comparison is it felt like the Utami Shuri match would have ended, yeah. right? It felt like that. This is it. This is it for everyone. This finished mm. seventh, I believe, on Voice of Wrestling's top, uh, on, you know, top hundred list. So it wasn't just us. It wasn't just Joshi fans. This was a. Yeah match that left a lot of people talk i know it's a match that won a lot of people over as well to make Mm. them stardom fans i think it's probably the last one that's truly done that um so that's probably the most hype we can give it uh but obviously in this match it's very physical early uh sure he's kind of outclassing julia because they're doing the grappling base and then that's kind of where real where julia realizes she's got to take it to her style her style that she had been developing pretty much since she lost that wonder of storm championship which is this rough and nasty and mm. brawling like style that only she could do um it's a style that you know will make people think that she should be apologizing to people after their matches um making sure they're okay even though uh, she already does even though she that? did on video but that's fine uh, <laughs> it, it's the match that makes julia special that, yeah. that is what the style is. What, yeah. what people fail to understand outside of the bubble, because there's a bubble that just looks at Julia and like, oh, she's a superstar, guaranteed. you got to know what the full package is with Julia. Mm-hmm. Yes, she's got the look. Yes, she looks like a megastar. Yes, she handles herself like a megastar. But it's the matches. When she's at her best, it's just it's incredible. I firmly believe this is the best match of her career. I know mm. some people still say it's Tam and Julia from that wonder match, the hair versus hair. I just don't, I don't see it that way. I get it. That was a very emotional match in itself, but this match took the cake. It was the end of all of her story. 
and ultimately it was we didn't know but in many ways it felt like the end of her stardom journey because ever since then it's been haywire and there's reasons to debate there now you know but this was it and it's the suplex into the chairs that really I, I still watch it back. I say that was nasty because Julie hits the back of her head on, you know, the chair part that's the, the back of the chair, essentially, yes. standing up. She hits her head on that. Shuri hits her everything on every part of the ch- everything <laughs> in the chairs. This is also during the time that, remember, still clap crowds. It didn't feel like it when that was happening. You, everyone was just like, <gasps> and it happened, and it was phenomenal. And then they kept wrestling for another twenty minutes. <laughs> it, it's crazy because it's not just that spot. Because I, I think a lot no. of people remember that particular spot. Oh wow, there's a there's, there's so a series more. of three moves here, just within that period where yeah. just like it goes from Julia trying to out wrestle Shuri and failing and realizing, oh, I'm. I'm making the same mistakes I did back earlier in the year. Yeah. And then she decides to do a hanging hammerlock Northern Lights suplex on the apron. Yeah. Everyone goes, oh. She starts pulling her up the ramp and you think, okay, they, they like to do the ramp spots in the big stardom main events. It's either like a suplex or they'll run 100 metres yes. and do a drop kick and you sort of question how much physics really paid in uh, an effect to this. It usually uh, falls flat, that drop kick, but yes. Yeah, it always feels like it should be bigger than it does. Maybe they realised it when they were preparing this match because they're yeah. like, you know what, there's there's a nice drop-off from this ramp and there's a whole bunch yeah. of chairs. And look, it's a it's a brutal spot. It's hideous. They pull it off about as safely as you could. Shuri yeah. lands flush, but it's a... It's a she does. It, it's about as safe a landing as you could get in this situation. She lands on the right part of the chairs. She kind of sprawls out properly. Julia does hit the back of her head, but like she doesn't go straight down. She kind of holds herself for a bit and controls the fall a little bit. After that, you think, okay, they're, they're done trying to make a point. We get it. You're, you're badass. The next spot is to go over to the tables and do a pole driver through them. <sighs> I felt tuckered out. I felt destroyed by this point. And as you said, there's another 20 minutes of hard wrestling and brutal wrestling and all of that. But it is like, it sounds spot-festy but it works within the context of the match. It isn't just we're going from spot to spot to spot, but it works in the context of the story of Julia realizing I cannot rest out wrestle Shuri. She yeah. is the best wrestler in the world. I have to basically drag her down to my level. And to do that, instead of trying to hit her with 50 moves, she just tries to hit her with five match-ending moves. Yeah. yeah, That's all she's going for at this point is moves that should finish any normal person and just trying to, wear down that final boss uh, life bar that you see at the end of the 100-hour JRPG video game you've been playing. It, it really does feel like every move she hits from that suplex to the end mm. is a home run move. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is, like, she is going for the win every mm. single move. But the, yeah. the problem is it's a normal move when it's happening to Shuri. Because Shuri hit <laughs> like... The aura that Shuri had back then, and I know people love to use aura incorrectly these days. I will use it here correctly. Anytime she made her entrance, anytime she stepped into the ring with that world title around her waist, you knew not only were you in for a fight, you were in for a long night. This was not going to be easy. And most of the time, she, like, there is a match between her and Utami from, like, a month before this. It is phenomenal. 
the only reason it's not like recognized as one of the best matches of that year is because we knew who was winning. Yeah. And that's what Shuri had her entire reign. We always knew who was winning. That's not something that always happens with the world champion. And I think that's mm-hmm. like another case for her literally when she was in the ring. It's not just like the kayfabe idea of, oh, well, she's not beating her, obviously. No, it was literally you. She stepped in there. There was no chance. And Julia knew if she didn't hit these bombs, it was going to be one thing. She hits, you know, the butterfly suplex from the top rope after hitting her with a headbutt. Mind you, earlier in the match, Shuri had hit Julia with a headbutt, and she just walked right through it. She's like, that's nothing. And Mm. that's crazy. That's crazy. I just, like, a shoot headbutt, and she no-sold. Julia spends a lot of this match trying to prove she can do what Shuri's doing. Like on the def- on the defensive, offensively she's going for haymakers for home runs, which Shuri doesn't do. Like she will work you down, and you see this anytime it goes to a normal match in a way, like they're going for counters and stuff. Shuri wins that encounter typically with a, a head kick. <laughs> um, so Julia is sort of going for the, the haymakers on offense, but defensively she's trying to channel what Shuri's done for the past year, and that's just kind of fighting through everything because she knows like Shuri can break me down and beat me and you it's a mental game to kind of say i'm at your level i can yep. take anything because you're also taking anything i can take and the one criticism i've seen of this match is that it does devolve into just big move kick out big move kick out big move kick out which i can understand but i think in this match it does earn that because of yep. the aura that shuri has and the strategy that you see julia employing to win this match. It doesn't feel like they've just gone and gone, okay, I've got cool moves, I want to do them. It felt like a story that they were telling here. It was the will to win, mm. ultimately, that got Julia through this match. Julia hits the Ryuin. Shuri comes back with a glorious driver. Shuri also hits the, uh, is it the Shusakai? Shusakai, yeah. She, I mean, she goes the for one off the top row. Which, which, by the way, the Shusakai at this point had not been kicked out of. No. So I remember when she hit that, and, like, obviously in our heads at the time, you're like, well, Julia's winning this match. But <laughs> but still, we had not seen anyone kick out of this. Mm. And this was Shuri. Would it be that crazy? She kicks out of that. The crowd has a pretty good roar at this point. They're like, oh. And, they, again, clap crowds. So it's always yeah. good. And then she goes for the super shoot Sakai. Like, Thank God we didn't ever have to see that. Uh, <laughs> Julia is crazy enough to take it, though. Yeah, Julia hits a... Um, uh, Northern Lights bomb. That's obviously not en- that was not enough. Uh, but the match ends when Julia hits the nastiest looking, like is is it a cradle type Northern Lights bomb? Like she is just listen. If you watch Julia pick Shuri up, right? She just like has her completely like dead weight too, yeah, and just drops her on her head. That's it's like a short- it's. It's uh, it's like a pump handle northern yeah because she sets it up that way, but instead of doing it quickly, like she just kind of holds her up Stop. in the air, and then like oh, at, at the time I remember thinking, have you not got the strength to get it fully? But yeah. like she she has no trouble just holding the spot and then just kind of cradling it into the. It's like a it's very light angled like it's not as vertical yeah. as normal it's like a horizontal northern lights bomb into that it, it looked was, nasty i think it, was, it probably was a little nasty to take as well um but by that point like they were just trading nasty landings it was probably like the best described as like if you mix the glorious driver and the northern lights bomb 
Yeah, that's how she did it. Yeah. It was nasty. It was fantastic, and it's like, up, oh, it's over, and she <laughs> won, and she had her moment. And after this, rather than these two be rivals, it was instant friendship. It was mm. instant happiness that Julia was the one that was able to uncrown Shuri after a year long reign. They they hugged. It was just such a fantastic moment that I am sitting here and stewing that it wasn't much more. Because ultimately, the reign that Julia would go on to have is so not fitting of who Julia is. Mm. And it angers me, and it's going to anger me forever. But we have this. We have this match. And honestly, that's all we needed. Because it was phenomenal. The, the, the final thing I do want to mention in this too, and it's very fitting because we're doing a Donna Del Mondo retrospective here, is that for Julia to win this match, and really I'd say the first time she really like feels like she's got a hand on the title in this match is when she starts digging into the Donna Del Mondo history. She hits Shuri with Micah's yes. finisher. She hits Shuri with Himika's finisher. And then she also does Hanakamura's finish of the Tiger Lily, yes. which isn't a Donna Del Mondo finisher, but it's obviously tied to history to Julia. Like it's a, it's a classic trope that you see, like New Japan have done a bit, Stardom have done a bit as well, but it always it feels just that next level of importance. And it really hits home the momentous occasion here. And it's very fitting that that was what truly changed the tide in this match. Shuri gets a couple more moves in, but it really feels like that is when it changes from Shuri is the unbeatable champion to, oh, we're in the process of seeing the new champion crowned. My, my appreciate, and this isn't a Julie episode. You'll get those eventually. <laughs> um, but this isn't a Julie episode right now. But my appreciation for Julia, like, goes through the roof more and more when I look back at something she's done. Because for someone that people try to paint as such a, they, they try to paint her as a selfish person. They've done it throughout her career when she got there, obviously. And you even see it now. She couldn't be less selfish. Like, even in her matches, like, you see her. And and she pays respects to the people that have helped get her there. She does with Hanakamura all the time. Mm. That's someone that she doesn't, you know, like they had their rivalry, but, you know, it wasn't a very long rivalry, but she always does. It. And, and I just have such a great appreciation for her. I have a great appreciation for Shuri. We're not ending this episode here. Feels like we should have, uh, <laughs> but chronologically. But I, but I, but I do feel like this next match is a good way to end it because this, yeah. this, this match, if you haven't seen this match and you're listening to this show, stop what you're doing. Go watch it. You can come back to this later. Go watch this now. Uh, one of the well, actually, actually watch it through, like have it on in the background, watching it through so we get the full view count and then go onto a different computer and then catch back up so we get yeah. the second view. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Just everyone should do that anyways. Uh, whether it be the view count or the listens on podcasts it's fine we'll take both yeah there you go um and then of course the final match that we'll talk about and i think it's a fitting match because it's the the retirement of one of ddm Mm. and that of course is the retirement of hameka one-on-one with micah obviously this wasn't hameka's final match but it was a very important one in the history of DDM, in the history of Hameka, and of course in the history of Micah. 
It was her final singles match in stardom, which feels like shouldn't be a retirement match clause, but it actually kind of was. Um, such was the story of the Himika retirement road. Uh, but it was, this. I think for a lot of people, this is the retirement match and the other two matches are essentially like the epilogue. Yeah, the 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 Kurokun Gauntlet match is just kind of like a a way to say farewell. It doesn't feel like a match like this does. You know, this had the the grand stage. It was at the uh, Yokohama Arena. It was the biggest ever show Stardom's done. Uh, yeah, it felt like a big deal. And this was kind of the match that obviously there were bigger matches on the card, a lot of them, but this felt like the emotional apex of the show. And it only happened halfway through. Yeah, I mean, this was obviously uh, stacked. Mm. Um, this show, this is the biggest show in Stardom's history, obviously. And this was like, I don't know, there's probably, what, six matches after this? Yeah, all, all the title matches were still to come, uh, which I was reminded when, like, after the big fitting farewell and goodbye, Chris Charlton's introducing the next match, which was the tag title match between seven up and new eras was that when i got a shout out no Damn. no no you i think you got the shout out on the pre-show no 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 it was on the main card no 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 i, I look scott i don't know because i wasn't listening you were there the i was there i was there um I, it was interesting to actually re-watch this match as it was seen yeah. by most people because I, I saw it from my spot which was fantastic i was very lucky to get the seat i got but like I couldn't see some of the small details and specifically like the final moments when Mark is telling him a complete yeah, that's like the most as she drives with three minutes and I could drive. I couldn't hear them where I was sitting. And even if I could hear them, I don't speak enough Japanese to understand what was being said. Um, so like, it was after the fact that everyone was talking about how emotional that moment was. I'm like, yeah, it was emotional. Himeka didn't kick out. And people were like, no, 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 no. Mike was telling her to kick out. Like, oh, Oh yeah, that would have really hit home. Yeah, um, it, but the emotions could be felt throughout the arena, regardless. It's a it's a fantastically done retirement match mm. in many ways. Uh, it's not the match of the night. No, it's not the match of the year. It didn't have to be any of that. Mm. It had to be the perfect moment for Hameka to retire. Hameka has this, you know, all the pomp and circumstance and the big entrance and everything. It's my favorite look of hers, which is. You know, very unfortunate that she had decided to bring it <laughs> for retirement, but I digress. Um, she had her moment, Micah has her moment, and little do we know this would be kind of the start of Micah's ultimate rise to mm -hmm. the title. Uh, but it's just very emotional from the start, and then they get into it. And you don't really think about that. Then it's just the then it's just the two powerhouses running into each other, time and time again. And you're like, yeah, this is this is what it's all about. You know, they're, they're playing back the five star Grand Prix match that they had, um, and even towards the end, you know, Hameka's coming close, and she's, mm. you know, she you think she's gonna win. She even hits the running power bomb. But a phenomenal kick out and a phenomenal moment by Micah in that. It was like, oh my gosh, Micah gonna win a retirement match. But no. Um, and then of course the end, which you kinda, you know, jumped the gun, but it's fine. Um, the end was phenomenal. It's a Michinoku driver, another one, and then Micah with all the emotion. All the emotion. She had a headbutt, didn't she, as well? Yeah, there's a headbutt in there as well. Which is disgusting. it's before the final Michinoku driver. It's the, it's the nastiest version of 
sorry, I love you, but you know, it's fine. Um, it's a retirement she, shoot, Heather. And she's pleading and pleading for her to kick out. She does not mm. want Hameka's career to end. She wants else... to hit more Michinoku drivers. Yeah. Four, five. That was three, so ain't, three ain't enough. I need five. Nice, nice. Uh, but she hits the Michinoku, one of the nastiest looking ones that she's hit. And like that is the end. One, two, three. An emotional moment. And uh, if you didn't think DDM was over when we said it was over with Natsupoy, it was definitely over after this. Yeah. Yeah, it's as much as like the people involved were still very good. Obviously, Micah would go on to win the title. Julia is still Julia. My Sakurai had really started to find herself during this time. And Tekla's a great role player in all of this as well. But losing the people they had lost and losing the momentum they had lost. Once you lose another core member like you did in Hameka, it really did feel like the shift in the circumstances. Micah, her attention would change to some of the uh, free agents in a lot of ways and Barry Barry Bombers would be doing their thing. But in this moment, like it is like the last truly great moment for Donna Del Mondo before they properly hang up the boots. Um, couple of really nice moments in this too. We had Mina Shirakawa doing the introductions, which you know, was obviously one of those things that like if you were following along in stardom at the time, uh, her and Hameka would always go particularly hard at each other. They had a very close connection behind the scenes that extended beyond uh, their time in stardom together. And we got flying jumbo, um, you know, Hameka jumping off the top rope to the outside yep. Didn't get a lot of verticality on it, but probably for the best because the rest of DDM were not there to help out with the catch. <laughs> they no. they rushed in at the last moment, didn't really give Micah any help there. And then, yeah, it just lined up perfectly because she tried for it again. Micah did that beautiful delayed superplex. Like, I remember watching it at the time thinking, oh, they've screwed it up. They're going to have to reset. And Micah's just like, no. No, I am the most powerful wrestler in stardom, you know, pound for pound stronger than anyone else. I am making this work and just hits that perfectly. Yeah, it uh, it was everything you wanted the match to be like. Yeah. There's nothing I would have added. Hmm. And I think that's a credit to what they accomplished here. Um, very emotional, obviously. I like that they could have this emotional moment between the two and then have the emotional moment between the roster rather than all at once. Because I just mm. think like Hameka and Micah, their history is so, so attached that if they couldn't have had this moment, it would have felt wrong. Yeah. Right. Um, and I'm happy they did. And, and obviously the retirement road for Hameka was so special. Um, and this is this is the perfect way to kind of end the DDM matches because Micah would go on to become world champion and she was the final one to do that. Mm. Um and Omega was there to celebrate, which made it all the better. And then of course DDM would end. But uh that's it for matches. Mm. We we are done. But as we do with all these episodes, we have one more conversation point, and that is talking about the legacy. Donna Del Mondo in stardom. What do you feel the legacy of DDM is in this promotion? In many ways, they're just kind of like a natural, I was going to say natural disaster, and that makes it sound bad, but it's just like this force of nature that just came into stardom, 
reshaped it, kind of changed the dynamics of what the promotion was, what the roster was, and forced everyone to adapt. You know, every faction after Don Del Mondo kind of hit have to take a step back and go, we need to refind ourselves. Queen's Quest, it took a little while and their story would get told, you know, in 2023. Stars really kind of buckled down and they found their dynamic and they've just continued to improve strength to strength. Cosmic Angels took from Donadel Mondo and found their perfect form, especially once Sari Inu come in. Oedo Tai really kind of went into that, you know, they found their gimmick and their character so fully. Because, yeah, if you remember 2020, Oedo Tai was... That was tough. A lot of people wanted that faction to end in 2020 and with good reason, but they re sort of rebuilt themselves and well, they weren't trying to compete with Donna Del Mondo. They found what worked for them. And in my opinion, have refound what makes them special in this era. And then someone like God's Eye would come through and they'd kind of have to redefine themselves against Donna Del Mondo. They came in and ev like they became the center of the stardom galaxy and everything revolved around them and had to adapt around them. For the better, ultimately. Uh, for nearly, nearly four full years of domination, um, there's never been anything like it mm. in stardom. They have an opportunity to be called the greatest faction. Now there are factions that have lasted longer, obviously stars, Queens quest, Oedo tie. They have the history behind them, but they have many different leaders behind them. They have many, well, stars doesn't, but I, you know, it's fine. Uh, but like they have many different members behind them. DDM was made to accomplish one thing. And when it was all said and done, it ended. I think that is an accomplishment to the faction. Their lifespan was the perfect amount. And uh, there's no other faction that has ever been called the Jordan Bulls. This was, at its height, the most unstoppable force stardom's ever seen. They somehow were able to beat the idea of an Io Shirai unstoppable force because, because they had everything. Like you said, everything in this company revolved around DDM for the majority of their existence. And I think that is a credit to the talent, obviously the decision to go with this faction. And I know, I know it wasn't always loved. DDM was not always loved and adored. Mm. But by the end, pretty much everyone was devastated that it was over. And I think that is a credit to what they were able to accomplish. The legacy of DDM is, if not the greatest faction, the greatest run a faction's ever had. Because it is four years. You know when the story starts. You know when it ends. You know exactly why it happened. Um, it has some of my favorite moments, my favorite matches. Uh, my favorite wrestlers, like it has everything, right? And and many of Stardom's greatest moments is because of this faction. The big reason Stardom got so popular is in part because of this faction. There's everything you could connect to Stardom's popularity right now is probably because of Donna Del Mondo. Mm. 
And I think that's an incredible accomplishment and one that I'm very much going to miss. Obviously, and in some ways it's very fitting that we are on the road to a very different stardom moving forward in every way, shape, and form. Whether, you know, we know Julia's leaving. I don't have to, we don't have to sit around and act like she's not anymore. (laughs) Ross Hill guy was gone. Mm. It's fitting that his final greatest creation is kind of how that ends. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm happy that Rossi Ogawa is gone from stardom. I'm not going to sit here and lie. Uh, but it all just feels right if you look at it that way. And uh, it's been fun to cover DDM. It, it, it really has. It's been a fun three episodes. Sad it's over, but as you and me talked about when they ended, it felt right. Like it, did, there was no reason for them to keep going. Obviously, we know why because Julia mm. was leaving, but the reasoning made all the sense, even. And uh, a new era of stardom is upon us with no more DDM. A new hope- era. So, Mariah and Amy Sarai taking over. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh- <laughs> But uh, I hope everyone that listened and watched and whatever you did enjoyed our three-part series. Mm-hmm. Um, we love doing these. We really do. It's a lot of fun. Uh, this well, is our this first... is the reason, the main reason we do these, I think, yeah, in a lot of ways. Cheap. Like when we were talking about doing Stardom Rider, we're going to cover wrestlers and factions and it's going to be a lot of fun going back. Yeah. It, it, it's, why, it's why we do this. And... Uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you what our next episode is. We're doing this so far in advance. I couldn't even begin to tell you, Uh, but it'll probably be very timely. I'm sure based off of what is happening in the current world of stardom. I think we're going to have a couple ideas by the time it's uh, our time to go again, but hopefully you enjoyed the episode. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, going back into the history of DDM. If you joined at any part of their history, I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, Trent, I know this is again very far ahead of time, but what should the people be looking out for from you? Uh, well, you should be looking out on my Twitter at One Up Culture because I'll be posting about my time in Japan when this episode comes out. I'll be over there. Uh, I am booked to go to a stardom show uh, as well as some other events. I don't want to give everything away, uh, but some very exciting stuff going on while I'm in Japan. Uh, I might have articles also coming out. I have written a piece which is very uh, appropriate for Sodom Road, which is looking at the Mo Iwatani versus Io Shirai story, specifically their friendship and the betrayal that led to Mo becoming the icon. That is ready to go. I don't know when it will come out, but when it comes out, you'll be able to find out about it on One Up Culture, uh, at One Up Culture. It'll be going out on the Wrestling website. It's a topic that we will no doubt cover in depth on this episode, uh, on this show as well. So you can kind of get a bit of a, a preview at it. Obviously, mm. we'll cover it differently. Scott has a lot to bring in as well. And, you know, a couple of episodes of audio podcast versus writing. You can cover things in different depths, but there was a piece I really enjoyed going back and watching their story. Uh, the Natsupoi betrayal really resonated because Io Shirai did literally the same thing just with her hand instead of her foot. Um, but yeah, that'll be coming out. Uh, I have podcasts, obviously, Ocean Cyclone Show and Choco Cast. 
that that'll all be coming out on hectically trying to record backup episodes for you know while i'm away um, but yeah probably check out my twitter because i'll be posting more often than not uh, because i'll have fun stuff to post about yeah check out the ocean cyclone show that'll be coming out uh saturday by the time this is coming out it'll be a bracket episode march mm-hmm. madness uh which is all a lot of fun i believe we did the wrestlers of 2023 like their ratings on pwi for joshi yes. Yeah. And we'll kind of compare them. It won't just be their all time, but like how they've done over the past year, two years mm-hmm. or whatever. Not going to lie. I haven't recorded by this time. So I'm just, I'm just waffling now. Um, but we have the idea, which is kind yeah. of good for us. We'll see how it goes. Uh, so make sure you listen. Uh, you want to, you want to know how it goes. You want to know if we are lying, Go listen to it over on Russell in. Um, Let's see. We're kind of in a busy time for stardom. Uh, so I'll be covering that the best I can. Lots going on. I have some article ideas in the works regarding what the future may hold for one promotion plus stardom. Uh, check out the five star Joe's show. If you want to hear all the updated news on stardom as well and Rossi's future and so on and so forth. I think that's best we leave it there follow me at scott e wrestling on twitter slash x as well and if you We're aren't tra- following him now is the perfect time to be doing so because like he's the best person to be following and covering all of this uh scott cuts everything down concisely explains what's going on gives the translations and stuff as someone who tries to has been trying to avoid social media a bit because it's just all mayhem and chaos in wrestling in general right now but especially joshi uh, it is nice being able to just click on his timeline and go okay that's where everything's at right now so mm. obviously this is a couple of weeks into the future things will have changed and stuff but i presume the one thing that hasn't changed is that scott's still giving the best overall coverage of this so Probably yeah. already following him, but especially at the moment, be doing so. Well, I greatly appreciate that, Trey. That's probably the most you ever put me over on air. So we're gonna end it here. We're gonna end it here. We we're just gonna stop now. I mean, this might be the end of Star Road by that by that point. That was just way too nice. Trent was never gonna be that nice to me again. So uh, I'm just gonna run with it for Trent. You, you I'm... can bring things back to normal by saying Jungle Kiana stuff. For Trent, I'm Scott, and this was the Star Road podcast here on the Count Out Podcast Network. Until next time, see ya! Every year, the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame receives a new crop of potential inductees. And on our new Count Out Patreon series titled The Ballot, it's our job to discuss whether or not these newbies should become Hall of Fame wrestlers. Hello, my name is Ryan19. Every month, a guest and I will analyze the regional careers of newly balloted wrestlers for the Observer Hall of Fame. Are they day one votes? Do they belong at all? Find out on the ballot every month on patreon.com forward slash countoutpod. Again, check out the ballot on patreon.com forward slash countoutpod. We hope to see you there. This has been a Countout Podcast.